it is it's a valued question and we do find money for the things we value. There's no question about it. And, you know, as many, many years as a single mum with four kids, we always ate all organic food. And I hear people say, but how do you, you know, how did you afford that? Or, you know, that sort of questioning that. And I said, well, we bought all our clothes secondhand in op shops and I drive an old car and the thing that I valued was the priority. And I think that, you know, for the mothers that are listening and they will know that if your child needs something, you find the money. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, a beautiful soul, a phenomenal soul, someone who I know you're going to absolutely love the story. And the best part is the beautiful Edwina Murphy Drummer also has an incredible program, a summit that you can sign up to as well. This beautiful soul has a deep understanding of what it means to truly blossom. Like many women, Edwina's metamorphosis sprung from her darkest hour as a suddenly single, broke mother with four children to leading a full, colorful life full of love, prosperity, and freedom. Edwina is a powerhouse in the fields of vision building and transformation. She has supported thousands of women to create an exciting vision for the life they want to live and then provides the support and accountability to bring that vision to life. Well, one of the ways that she is supporting all of us women out there is with her latest project, the Phenomenal Feminine Entrepreneurs Summit. In the show notes, you will have all the links and definitely on my Facebook and Instagram page, you will find all the links to the summit where you can sign up for free for the whole digital summit where you will get to hear 21 remarkable stories from incredible feminine entrepreneurs. And yes, I'm proud to say that the beautiful Edwina has interviewed me in this summit. So without further ado, let's get into this incredible, amazing program and podcast where you get to hear from the beautiful Edwina Murphy Drummer. So as you can hear, very excited to bring to you today a very phenomenal female that I have a lot of love and respect for. And I love it when she says, have you ever heard someone say, if she can do it, so can you? Well, it's true and you can. And I absolutely have huge privilege and pleasure to interview the amazing Edwina Murphy Drummer. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Oh, thank you, Kim. That's such a lovely introduction. And it is my favorite thing. If she can do it, so can you. I just, I, you're amazing. You have done so many incredible things over your time. And, you know, for the person who hasn't heard of you, when this goes to air, we are so excited because you are launching a, a huge baby of yours, a huge dream of yours. But maybe before we start talking about that, let us know who you are. What would you say about about Edwina. Who is she and how did she come to doing what she's doing today? Oh my goodness. Where where to start? I love this question. Look, I think um you know, my my background is uh, naturopathy. So when I, you know, left school, I kind of fumbled my way around for quite a while and worked in hospitality, I worked in real estate, I did quite a few different things. But um, I was in hospitality, I became quite nocturnal and I had a terrible drinking habit and I was very overweight. And I remember at the time I was working um, up in Cairns at a nightclub called Nonstop Rock where I actually danced on bars. It was sort of my coyote ugly phase, (laughs) I call it, for anyone that's actually seen the movie. But um, when I got back to Victoria, my mum was slightly horrified at my state of health and everything and and she sent me to see a naturopath and it was a really pivotal moment because it was the first time I felt like somebody was so absolutely focused on me and my well-being and what I needed and for anyone that's been to a naturopath you know it's not a five-minute visit that first 
visit is an hour or 90 minutes. And so it was a really special moment. And I remember looking at this woman and just she was so vital and warm and um, just she epitomised what I thought an amazing or a phenomenal woman would look like. And so that started me on the path of studying naturopathy, which I really, really loved. When I graduated from naturopathy, um, sort of six months later, my first son was actually born, who's about to turn 22. So it gives you an idea how long ago that was. Um, and then I had three children in three and a half years and then a fourth child a couple of years later. And it really um, put the brakes on me becoming a naturopath. I did little bits and pieces, worked in a health food store and, you know, things like that. But I never saw myself sitting in a clinic one-on-one -on -one with anybody. Um, and so when my, you know, my children actually, my first husband, their father left when they were all under eight years old. So I suddenly a single mum with four kids under eight and um, it was, a, you know, the next sort of pivotal moment in my journey because until then I realised now, I didn't at the time, but until then I'd really conferred to other people all the time what was best for me and to make decisions for me. And any time I needed to make any sort of grand decision in my life, I always turned to other people for their opinions. And suddenly I was needed to pull up my big girl pants and grow up at, you know, in my early 30s. It sounds a bit absurd, but that's, you know, that's the reality. And anyway, I decided then to um, go back and reinvigorate my love of, of naturopathy, but focusing on functional nutrition, which was when I became a student in the beautiful Cindy O'Meara's very first, the inaugural students that went through her Functional Nutrition Academy. So I did that to sort of get myself, you know, back into the mode of studying and get everything clear in my head again. But I still, you know, like it's just never quite took off. I always imagined I was going to do that because I'm really, really passionate about it. But I couldn't quite get that business to take off. And then one day I was sitting um, and a webinar came up on my timeline and I was listening to this woman that was talking about doing interview series and she talked about how it helped with you know she really talked about where I was even though she was talking to a broad range of people she obviously identified that there are a lot of people like me that had a huge amount of information on board and knowledge that we've accumulated throughout our lives but hadn't found a way to share it in the world. And so the method that she teaches is, you know, you pick a subject, you find 20, 21 um, experts, regardless of where they are on the planet, invite them to be interviewed, and then you create a resource. So I was like quite captivated with this idea and at the same time completely terrified because it meant investing something like $10,000 into you know, studying and doing this course and hiring my first coach, um, which I didn't have. So I went out and got a job cleaning houses to help me pay for this to make extra money. Um, and, yeah, so so that's what I did. And, and a few months later um, I was invited to go to a conference that she was putting on in America and somehow somehow I managed to get myself on a plane and get there and, you know, um, was sitting in this audience and there were about 800 other, you know, very enraptured entrepreneurs as we all gazed up at the stage of this. She'd pulled together a panel of just five or six women who um, had done amazing things in their businesses that year. And I talk about it being a little bit like being, you know, the primary school girl that's looking up at the high school girls going, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to be that grown up or to have that level of success. And I was just so enamoured with what they'd achieved and I could really see myself self in them because they were very real women with very real stories. And um, so when I got myself back to Australia, I... I do vision boards. It's something that I love. And on my vision board, new vision board that I was doing um, for the year ahead, I popped a picture of my coach 
standing on that stage at that conference with her arms open wide. It was a picture that I grabbed off the internet um, and imagined her welcoming me onto that stage in a year. And it was a, it was a very audacious um, kind of idea because I really was starting at zero. I had zero income, zero clients, zero, zero, everything. And sure enough, 12 months later, I got an invite into my um, email and I, I, it was just such an incredible moment inviting me um, to be one of the women on her success panel. And so a year later, I was sitting on that stage and everything has just really grown from there. And, you know, I talked about not being able to quite get my, you know, nutrition business up and running. And I just realized it really wasn't what I was supposed to be doing as much as I love it. And that's what I use to take care of my own health and the, what I've used to raise my children and for my husband and friends around me. I'll never regret doing that study. I think it was life-changing um, and is something that probably should be taught in every school. But um, what I've found is that, you know, what I when I lose time, when I'm absolutely in my flow doing what I love, it's interviewing women and capturing their stories to share with other people. And that's when I, you know, just am in my element. I love it. That was a that was a lot of talking, Kim. <laughs> oh, it was brilliant, and it just gives such insight as to what drives you. And you know, I think it's really important to acknowledge the story and the pathway we've been on. Mm. And I think the biggest thing I take from hearing that is there's no accidents, and each road or each pathway leads to another road or pathway. And if it's meant to be, it will it will be. And I always think that for some women, we get confused because one minute we're interested in this and then we get interested yeah. in that. And then we want that. And then we have husbands saying, well, how much is that costing? And what are you going to do with this? And, yeah. and I always liken it to dots. There's dots all over the place, dots of information and, and desire and knowledge and all of that. And then at some point, it just slowly starts to take shape and you'll find that all the yellow dots start connecting and all the yeah. red dots start connecting. And then you realize, yes, I'm going to do uh, incredible, phenomenal, feminine entrepreneurs summit and, <laughs> and I'm going to launch that. And I just think in amongst all the mayhem of being a parent, going through a marriage breakup and then obviously what you've done since then and how you've encapsulated it all. What do you think is the secret to keeping yourself buoyant and positive and vital through all of this? Oh, it's vision. I've got, I've got to have somewhere I'm heading. And as soon as I lose sight of that vision, it's like being in a hole. It's when I get in a rut and it's, it's that feeling of having a, it is sort of a heavy weight um, but if I've got a vision, something I'm working towards, like launching this baby into the world, which is a fantastic analogy because it's exactly how it feels. Um, but you know, when I've got a vision that I can focus on that, it, you know, I think of it as it's something that pulls me forward. And, you know, I, I use the analogy a lot of, um, a wedding because I think most women, even if they haven't been married, can relate to the analogy because when you get engaged or you imagine your wedding you create this entire vision in your mind you know exactly what you're going to wear you know how you're going to feel you know how you want to look you know what you're going to eat who you're going to surround yourself with where you're going to be even the car you're going to drive in the food you're going to eat you know every detail every minute detail you have this vision for it and then that vision is so compelling that it pulls you forward and you obviously go through, depending on the wedding you're planning, you go through, you know, many um, hardships or frustrations or things that don't go quite as planned and all you, but you keep going because you've got this beautiful vision that you want to bring to life. And I, you know, I say to the women that I work with, why don't we apply this to your whole life um, because life should have that feeling of being pulled forward. And I think we do it when we've, you know, aiming for year 12 and finishing school, we have that vision of what it's going to be like to launch ourselves into the world as an adult. So that pulls us forward. And then we have it, if you go to university, you have it 
what it's going to be like to become a, a teacher or an artist or an engineer or, a, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do. And then you get pulled forward by that vision. But then often when we get beyond that, you know, it might be a house or a family, these things might pull you forward. But I think for a lot of women, particularly women that are getting into, you know, our age group, whether it's 45, 55, 65, a lot of times they've lost sight of that vision and it can be when um, children are getting to the the older stages and they may be leaving home, the empty nest stage, and women are often left with, uh, you know, a feeling of, well, I, you know, I don't even know who I am now, let alone what I want. And I can't even remember the last time somebody asked me what I want or I, I don't even know how to answer that question. Um, and that is the reality for many, many women. And so... Um, and if they've been in a job, it may be that it's just become a bit like Groundhog Day, which I think everybody can relate to Groundhog Day at the moment with the endless lockdowns. But that sense of every day, you know, it's just, it's, it's just the same. It's sort of a bit of a hamster wheel. And how we can shift that and get excited about life again is, um, I can't remember the question you asked now, Kim. <laughs> I think I got there in a roundabout way. Absolutely. And I think with your knowledge around nutrition then and knowing how important it is to really nourish and nurture the vehicle, the body, the temple that carries us through the hardships, the challenges, the joys and the pleasures, knowing how important nutrition is, what sort of a bearing do you think it is? Is it really important? Is it super important? Is it the number one thing? How do you think we get through those challenges and hardships? And is nutrition, tell me the gauge that you think it's on, what part? Oh, well, you know, I think I think our health and well-being is absolutely everything. I think it's it's next to impossible to be unhealthy and happy. I think it's, you know, um, our well-being, our vitality is number one. Truly, it's it's the top of the list and understanding how to feed ourselves, how to get adequate sleep, how to move our bodies, how to, you know, access that vitality and energy to keep living and, and um, you know, just feel vital is it's got to be number one. It's the top, top of the list. Yeah, I agree. And so many underestimated or, you know, think that they're feeding their bodies well by getting packaged foods or, mm. or racing around getting quick foods. But yep. the reality is you can't you can't rush nature. You can't rush reality or the real truth of what it is no. that our bodies command and deserve. And I love the fact that you have that naturopathy background because, mm. too, you have an element or an ethos, I would imagine, that is around yeah. preventative care and it's also around making sure we give ourselves the best possible chance. I'd love to go back a little bit, though, that you mentioned, you know, that somehow you found yourself sitting on that plane. And <sighs> for so many of us, you know, when money, time and money are the yeah. two biggest excuses why we yeah. don't do things. Yeah. And I just want to I want to dive a little deeper there. How yeah. did you make that happen? I, I love this question and I just I love that you brought it up, Kim, because it is it's a valued question and we do find money for the things we value. There's no question about it. And, you know, as many, many years as a single mum with four kids, we always ate all organic food. And I hear people say, but how do you, you know, how did you afford that? Or, you know, that sort of questioning that. And I said, well, we bought all our clothes secondhand in op shops and I drive an old car and the thing that I valued was the priority. And I think that, you know, for the mothers that are listening, they will know that if your child needs something, you find the money. If they suddenly need um Oh, anyway, you, you can think of whatever it is, but we find the money and we're very good as women. We're very good at finding money for other people. But when it comes to spending that money on ourselves, it often feels like there's a, a greedy connotation to it or it's grubby or um, it's just it has a negative connotation. And I think once we can shift that idea and you as the self-love queen, I think this is, you know, a big part of that picture is um, learning how to value ourselves and our own journey because then you will find the money for things that you need. And, you know, I talk about 
you know, cleaning houses. And a couple of years ago, I would really have struggled to tell that story because there was a level of shame around it that I now wish I'd never had, but I did. And, and, but now I'm really grateful that I did that because I can share the story with other women and say, well, you know, what does it take? Because particularly in the entrepreneurial world, resourcefulness is everything. Um, it is an absolute key to our success. And I think it is in our lives, regardless of the journey that you're on, if you want something, you can have it. It's a matter of being resourceful. It's a matter of looking at what your values are. And if that is to eat organic food and you're questioning whether or not you can afford it, I actually think it's a value question rather than a money question. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just, I really think that's such a powerful statement that so many women in particular, and I'm sure the men listening would agree at times, that we actually, and sometimes don't even think we deserve it. Yep. And you you said something very interesting there, we'll find the money for our kids. Mm. What, what is that? What is that mentality? And how did you make the shift? I used to clean houses. I cleaned houses for three years yep. whilst I built a clientele because when wow. you start a business, you don't just have 100 clients arrive at your door. Yep. Um, and I remember cleaning these incredible houses. And what I used yep. to do as I was going around these amazing houses in Devonport and Auckland is I'd go, yeah, I'd do this in my house. Yeah, when I have my house, I wouldn't do this. Oh, I hate cleaning this. Therefore, this, yep. you know, and I was like, I actually used it and put my, I had a Walkman in those days and I'd put my Walkman on and I'd just, you know, I'd, I'd wrap it out while I was cleaning and yep. I got a joy out of doing that. So I understand what you're saying about the shame on one level, but I'm really glad that you've actually realized and recognized the power of that resourcefulness. So, so tell me if you if you really do believe that a mother will do it because her child needs it. How do we shift that mindset into realizing we deserve it too? I think it is. I think it's a it's a combination of those of the two things that I've spoken about. One is the value, and once you understand that, you start to look at things a little bit differently. So, um, if it if it's buying an item of clothing and you can find $100 for a new jumper or a pair of shoes, but you can't find $100 to go to a naturopath or to buy organic food, then it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's not about fault, blame, guilt, shame. It's about, okay, so what does that tell me about my values? What does that tell me about how I, I want to treat myself, how I want to treat the people around me? What message am I sending? Um, I know for the mums that I, and I, I'm not entirely sure who your audience is, but I speak to mothers a lot just because of that, the audience that I attract. But I think that if we look at our behaviours as role modelling, what do we want our kids to do? How do we want our kids to treat themselves? And I know, you know, I've got two boys and two girls, but when I look at my girls and I think about their journey into motherhood, um, which hopefully is a few years away yet, but um, I I want them to value themselves. Yes, it's it's there's a there's an amazingly um, incredible gift in being of service to your family, and it's something that I treasure and love. I love making dinner at the end of the day. It's an act of service. It's an act of love. All those things, but not at the expense of my own health and well being. So, how do we look at role modeling? that for our kids i think is is one is one way to look at it role modeling it for the other people around if they're if they're people around us whether it's clients children partners nieces nephews people that are looking at how we make decisions what are we role modeling and what does it look like and i i think what i'm trying to say is i don't want my children i want my children to be of service to others because I think it's it, it is so important, but I don't want them to be at service to the expense of their own well-being. Yeah, really good point. And so many women, I'm going to say this boldly and loudly, mm. um, choose to almost become martyrs to oh. this cause and think that that's a rite of passage or what's expected. And yep. I, I think it's I think the world has changed and shifted very much into valuing the role that the mother, the woman plays in the home. Mm. And I also think the role the man plays, you know, there's a very yep. beautiful place that we can all be. And if you're a single mum, it's honoring that there is masculine energy to create a beautiful home and there's feminine energy to create that. Yeah. 
So to be in the corporate world, to be an entrepreneur, to be ballsy and and noble enough to go out there and do it, uh, how would you say that to the woman at home listening to this? And what would you say to her in order to get the courage or find the courage to get on that bloody plane or to actually do the thing that's been ticking away in the back of her mind and heart? What is it that tipped you over the edge to actually do it apart from living your values? Because we can all hold those inside of us. What was the motivation? What was the thing that tipped you over the edge to take action? I think a vision was definitely a part of it. But uh, look, I don't know about you, Kim, but I feel like I... Um, an entrepreneur is somebody that almost you almost can't not do it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I find that um, I'm so driven by what I want to create and do in the world, and that started off being one wanting to teach people about nutrition and food and the power of having this knowledge um, and the transformation it can make in your life. That, that was the starting driver, but and now it's, you know, sharing wisdom and women's stories. But I think, it's, I think it is just that um, vision, that desire to do the things that I want to do is so strong that it just pulls me forward. And, you know, to the, to the person that's sort of sitting, listening to this, that has accumulated a wealth of wisdom, has so much hard-earned knowledge on board, whether that is how to, you know, cook amazing food that supports your family or, you know, what doesn't matter what the field is, you've accumulated knowledge on your journey that somebody else can use. And, you know, once upon a time when we lived in in a more um, sort of tribal or smaller communities, we would reach back as women and help other people on their journey. Now we live in this sort of much more disconnected way um, this this entrepreneurial space, this online space is now a way that we can reach back and pass our knowledge on to other people to support them on their journey regardless of what the subject is. And so I think if you can find your passion in doing that, in being of service and how can you pass that wisdom on to other people, um, it's it's. It becomes quite addictive once you see that you can impact other people's lives, that you can make a difference in other people's lives. It's it's an addictive thing. It's like a, a beautiful high that comes from being of service. I agree. I couldn't agree more. You, you touched on the word wisdom, and yeah. and also that looking back in our tribal past where we would have gone to our elders or we would have spoken in women's circles or the red tent or any of those sort of things. And it seems a bit sad that as a white person, we don't seem to have that culture and tradition so much anymore. We put put our, you know, parents get put into rest homes. There's not that, that essence of culture where the elderly have earned the right to be nurtured and nourished in a way that they're revered. Um, the more wrinkles we get in the Eastern philosophies, the more wisdom you're said to have. Yet this culture seems to want to, you know, inject things to get rid of those wrinkles to mm. show that we are getting we're privileged to be older. And I'm not judging that. I understand the thing of wanting to always look your best. But do you think that as white people, we have really lost touch with that? And is that why you're driven to do what you're doing as well around community and bringing women together in the way that you are? It is a big. It is a big part of it, and I also the majority of my audience um, and the women that I support are forty five plus, some fifty five, some sixty five and older. And I think that now, and you know, just six months ago, I decided to transition into becoming a silver haired woman, and it, it. I played with the idea for some time because it felt like um, it felt like a really. Um, I was I I think I was worried how I would see myself and that I would feel older with grey hair, um, and how other people would see me. Obviously, because of the work that I do, I spend so much time on video. But I just decided. And I think lockdown was helpful. But I just decided I would do it, and I've actually loved the journey, and the feedback has been amazing. But I think the reason I bring that up is because as I decided to do this, I went looking 
Um, I've got a saying, you'll always find evidence for what you're looking for. And so if you want to find evidence that being silver-haired is beautiful, you go and find the evidence. And so that's what I did. And um, it was actually Caroline Lubacher, who's part of the Phenomenal Feminine Entrepreneur Series that's about to launch. She's a, a model that started her modelling career at 53, and she's one of the women that I found. And I found lots of women that provided all the evidence that I needed that having great hair is absolutely stunning and of course there's the Helen Mirrens and the Judy Denches of the world that I just love and I think are stunningly beautiful so I think you know if you have that idea that um, we're getting older and somehow that is a diminishing thing then you get to look for the evidence of how it's not and there is so much evidence that it's not and then once you get those ideas I mean there's women that run their first marathons in their 70s and you know so many stories and so many women where you can gather the evidence um, that getting older is a powerful and amazing thing and then you start having that conversation and then the people in your community start to get affected by those conversations and then there's this beautiful ripple effect that happens and I think that's where we can really start to shift um, the conversation that's become so strongly held in Western society that being older is something to be shameful of. I mean, my mother, who's now 86, she didn't tell me how old she was. I didn't know how old my mother was until I was in my 30s. And, you know, that that's that programming that it's somehow shameful to be older. It's nuts. I, I would really love to support women to let go of that. Yeah, and not being wrong to ask how someone, how old someone is. I remember no. it used to be such a thing you would never oh do. Gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. Um, let's step into then, you know, you've been a mom, you've obviously had this drive, you've learnt things, you've mastered things, you've been an incredible role model, you've given it your best. How did you then come up with the idea about this incredible book and vision for the summit, The Phenomenal Feminine Entrepreneurs. Talk to us a little bit about this. Well, it was from that experience of sitting that first trip to the States where I was sitting in the audience look at the, looking at these phenomenal feminine entrepreneurs and hearing their stories and the fact that I could really, they were real stories. It wasn't like looking at, you know, we can look at, Oprah Winfrey or these, you know, incredible women, the, the Maya Angelos and these amazing women, but it's not so easy for, I didn't find it so easy to see myself in them. You know, they seem so far away and so removed um, that it's lovely for them, but it's that, that looking on thing. And then when I had this experience of listening to these women that had built these incredible businesses and they were making, you know, multiple millions and I, I could see myself, myself in their stories. They had very real stories of where they'd started. One of them, um, Ariella, had started in, um, lost her job and was living in what they call in the States a trailer park or a caravan park, we call it here, and, you know, all these various stories and how they had built themselves up and how they get past feeling like an imposter and, you know, all these various things that we need to overcome. They shared their stories so beautifully and so with such um, authenticity, I could see myself in it. And then it gave me that sense of, okay, I, you know, if they can do it, so can I. And so I, that's where I got the success and the momentum that I did. And so with this series, what I wanted to do was gather 20 women from across the globe that similarly will share their stories authentically, will share, you know, what happens, um, the beautiful Kirsty Worth, says you know i said uh how do you overcome procrastination and she said well i stand on my head i do a handstand and when i got her response back i just i couldn't stop laughing it was so perfect and you know like all the women in this series including yourself kim just share so authentically from your heart that i believe the audience watching it will see what's possible for them and if you're wanting a bigger bolder more beautiful life then the the path is there there's 21 different um, women in this space that are all doing a huge variety of different things that you could possibly connect with 
because as we love to say, I think it's Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel yourself. Um, Annie Grace was a, a lawyer who had um, developed a drinking problem. She was very, very successful. They would have breakfast meetings and be serving up a glass of wine or champagne and she just got in this rhythm where she realised that she had a drinking problem. She came up with a solution that really worked and so she decided to share that solution and her she's got an enormous business that's grown out of that. Um and then, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. Everybody's story in this in this um, book is really powerful and just so inspiring and so full of wisdom that I believe anybody that either reads the books or li listens to the interviews, and I would encourage everybody to do both because you get a different depth of experience through reading than you do through listening or to audio or watching video and it's so it's a unique virtual experience where you get every piece of the story and the experience and from that you know I want to plant the seeds of possibility into um, the hearts and minds of women across the globe is how I talk about it. That's it's just intention. yeah, it's beautiful, and I can really see the love and the and the absolute care that you've taken to do this. It is a unique virtual experience. It not only you know for some of us we're very auditory, we love to hear the conversation. That's why podcasts are so powerful, and some of us prefer the video because we're more visual. But there's those of us that like to feel it, and I think a book. There is still nothing like a hard copy book oh, to I actually agree. allow you to fall into the story, the narrative. The written narrative is very different to the spoken and 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 heard narrative. I think it's it's very powerful. And the reason I know this is many years ago, a girlfriend and I thought we'd write a book and we thought, you know what, we've got some really good content. Why don't we just record our two-day workshop, get it transcribed, there's the book. And and honestly, when we heard the transcribe, that you, you couldn't, yeah. sorry, when we read the transcribe <laughs> of what we said, you couldn't hear the tonality. You couldn't yeah. hear the the jokes. You couldn't hear the, the nuances. You just... Yeah. You just couldn't. It is a very different platform to share and understand somebody. And yeah. what made you think that the book was an important part of the summit? I think I've been doing this work for long enough and I've worked with enough clients now that I, I start to hear the repetition of the things that trip us up. And, you know, I've done so many courses and I'm an absolute self-development junkie. I've poured thousands now into um, different courses and private coaches and I see every step of the way, regardless of who's doing the training, that mindset always comes first. And so understanding what to do when we're feeling like we're procrastinating, um, understanding the role of coaches, understanding, you know, imposter syndrome, all these different things that I've asked all the speakers the same, exactly the same 20 questions, because I believe that once you get an understanding of that, so what are your values? You know, what makes you come alive? How do you make difficult decisions like going to clean houses to pay for a coach or, you know, the first the first summit that I released, I actually, my sister died halfway through very, very unexpectedly through that. And if I didn't have the um, the mastermind and my coach and the, the community around me that pulled me forward, I don't think that I could possibly have gone on. And so just the role that these different resources play, the role that the different mindsets, you know, once you have an understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, it is the primary reason, the primary thing that you must know why you're actually doing what you're doing. And it's not just to make money. If that's the first response, you need to dig deeper, dig under that because your why is going to be the thing that gets you up when you are just feeling stuck or when you're tired or when you just don't feel like it. It'll keep you going if that why is really strong. So the 20 questions that I've asked in the book, I think of them as the foundation that we need under us in order to really grow. And so looking at the women in the book and the success that they created, I knew that you would have the answers to these whys because just because of what you've all created. 
So asking you that and giving other people the gift of seeing, you know, behind the scenes, inside your minds, how you think about these things, I think is then opens up the ideas for other people to write their own chapters, which is really what I want support to support people to do. So powerful. And I thought, I didn't know what I was writing for really. Like when I answered the questions, it was just like, okay, another nice, beautiful, you know, interview to answer. And I think sometimes not thinking, if that makes sense, and just yeah. writing it as it flows and saying yeah. it as it comes up and, and being really genuine. I had no idea really when I think back to when you asked me to do this that it was yeah. going to be what it is and to hold the book in my hands and to see familiar faces and new faces and to read a story a night and just take my time listening to every woman. I, Like you, I see myself in all of these women mm. and whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I still think a mum at home is an entrepreneur in many ways. I think the single woman is an entrepreneur because if you look at whatever stage we're at in our life, we are constantly seeking to look for new and more powerful ways to be a better version of ourselves if we're on this path. And I just think I want to commend you for it because um, to see the faces and the colour and the, the genuine beauty in each person is also highlighted with the words. And I'm so excited that I'm interviewing you before this launches because you must be so nervous and so excited at the same time that this baby is about to be launched into the world. And, and so let's talk about that. How, how can we be a part of this? How do you want to share this? Talk to us about the platforms in which we can get a, and get to be enrolled. Well, it, it is really just if, you know, if people would like, I'm giving um, the digital edition of this experience away for free because I really want it to get in as many hands as possible. So um, you will find a link. I'm sure Kimmy will sh share a link here um, and anywhere on social media where you find Kim and myself or any of the other speakers, you will um, find links to sign up and get that digital edition. The step beyond that is where you get to get a physical copy of the book and a workbook that goes with it. And the reason I've set it up this way is that um, I really want people to experience what the books looks like. So you will get the ebook for nothing and to listen to all the interviews and to get a real sense. Um, so, you know, the intention behind the free version is to plant the seeds of possibility into your heart and mind. And then for the women that really want to do something with all the inspiration that they then have, we're doing a 20-day challenge where I'm going to guide people through actually answering each of the questions themselves so that they end up with this really strong foundation under them to build their business. So whether you are starting from zero or starting at six figures or beyond because you've already been an entrepreneur for a few years or a year or whatever that is for you, it is perfect for anybody that feels they still get in that place where they get stuck or they questioning what they're doing or they don't feel like they've really got a really strong handle on their why, any of those things, this challenge, I'm going to step people through step by step by step. We've created a workbook that's every bit as beautiful as the actual book um, that then gets to be almost like a master plan. I think of it as like a living document because as you said, Kim, you know, your answers can change and they evolve as you evolve and as your business evolves. So you can go back to it time and again to sort of tweak things when you look at what your values are, your values can change, they're organic and so can, you know, the the various things in the book. So that's going to be the challenge, which is the second stage. But that that's you'll find out more about that a little bit down the track. The first step really is to sign up and go through the um, digital experience, which is the ebook and the interviews. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I think you've done a phenomenal job just for you personally um, because you'd also answer the questions in the book. 
And I love that you described yourself as loving, compassionate, and courageous. But Justin, rather than reading it from the book, I I would love you to say, you know, when you, I mean, we talked about your coach as being a really big pivotal moment, that getting on the plane. But we talk about, and you ask the question of what does living a rich and prosperous life look like to you? Mm-hmm. Just off the top of your heart, or top of your mind and in your heart, how would you answer that without even referring to the book perhaps? Mm. You know, the thing that um, really comes to mind first and foremost is um, for me I'm a I'm a real country chick at heart and the more lockdowns we experience the more I realize that you know we've been in suburbia for five years now and prior to that I've always been a, a country chick and I just I really um a rich and prosperous life to me is being able to see nature, green, green rolling hills, but lots of flowers, a veggie garden, an orchard, chalks, happy family, um, tables groaning under the weight of beautiful food, open fireplaces, um, not being stressed about how to pay the bills but just having enough money to say if I want three alpacas I get to have three alpacas <laughs> just you know like the the things taking a holiday with my family and not having to um get stressed about how we're going to pay for it so having the money to fund the lifestyle that um I want to live with my family that's a rich and prosperous life to me so beautiful and I think if we could all wave a magic wand and really took the time to answer that ourselves we would see that if they're at at the deep quintessential essence source and part of us that really is a true gorgeous human being whether we're an entrepreneur a stay-at-home mom or an employee or any of the roles that we're playing it is about being in touch with those things that are really important, mm. family, connection, friends, nature. And I really, and I think, you know, money is a part of that, which is why we as entrepreneurs are so passionate about sharing our vision, our products, our services, and doing that in such a way that not only do we create an income for ourselves, but we also then impact more by creating more. So yes. the more wealth we create and we're able to go out actually you know, create something for more people and then be able to, to maybe employ people. And so that beautiful thing around money, there has seemed to be a stigma, you know, filthy rich, mm. dirty rich, stinking rich, you know, it's oh. never really complimented in a beautiful yeah. way. Yeah. How would you equate the value then of a rich and prosperous life as in money to do the things that you want to do? What's your Uh, definition of money and how has that impacted your life as you've grown older and wiser? I like to think of money as energy and it just, you know, it sort of, it, it takes time for me to get my head around that, but it's taken time. But, you know, it's, there's got to be, like with anything that's energy, there's got to be this give and take, there's got to be this flow, what comes in must go out. And, you know, listening to um, a coach that I had a while ago who said that she was going to put a million dollars on her vision board that she would give to charity that year was the statement that really flipped the switch in my head. It was like, oh, my goodness, imagine the feeling of being in the position where you could donate a million dollars to a charity of your choice. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, that would be, you know, an extraordinary milestone. And there's nothing grubby or grotty or dirty or bad around that. I think it's, you know, I think it is just that it it gives you so much leverage to make choices that make a difference on the planet, having money. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that about it being an energy. And Mm. I know myself when I pay for things, I used to in the days when we had checks, you know, I'd always, and I didn't mean to, but I'd sign the check and I'd always do two kisses. And I don't know why, and even if it was to the power bill or the rates bill. And I thought, why would I stop? And so every check I've ever done, I've always put kisses on them or thanked on the back. It was so funny. I was really sad when checks stopped being a part of that. 
but I still get the same joy. I love paying my bills. I absolutely love paying bills. It sounds ridiculous, but I love doing it when I know the money's there to do it. I I just... I'd, yeah. I'd love to, I want to just interject there for a minute because I, my son had a, a dental appointment this week and it was a, a two-part, very expensive dental appointment. The second part was another $1,000. And when I was writing in my gratitude journal that night, I wrote, oh my gosh, I am so unbelievably grateful that I can pay that without getting stressed about where the heck the money's coming from because I spent most of their lives working out how the heck I was going to pay for things and to be in a position now where I could just pay for that and it wasn't an enormous stress. Oh, my goodness. So grateful. So, so grateful. Yeah, I feel the same and I love it. I bet you put two kisses on it too. No, I'm only kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You will now. It's all all tap and pay. I can't remember the last time I wrote a check, but, yeah, energetically two kisses. Yeah. (laughs) So sad, isn't it? One for you, one for me. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward, I know we're coming to the end, but I, I, you talk about the questions that you asked in here being the foundation, the foundation yeah. for all success and the ability to live the dream life, live the life that you'd want to have. I, I've always felt that self-love is the foundation of all, which when I remember and writing all those questions, the answers to those questions, I kept saying to myself, you know, as I answered them from a place of love how did I truly feel about this and I would just love to ask you that you know this is about building women into believing in themselves and feeling that self-love is is definitely a big part of that and if you agree with that what is your definition of self-love I um definition of self-love it's in it's I don't know that I've ever thought of it as far as a definition but I think you know it's it's actually one of my values is responsibility and personal responsibility. I am 100% responsible for myself, my health, my happiness. And so self-love is an act of responsibility to me being the best version of myself. I think it is an act of responsibility. In the same way we can't expect someone to love us, you know, we, yeah. we think people should love us or we have this expectation on how that should look. But in the same way, we should also have the same um, reverence for what we actually do for ourselves. And I yeah. feel, I truly believe the more self-love, respect, responsibility and accountability we take for our own health and well-being and mindset yeah. and all of those things, uh, it's, a, it's a magnet. More yeah. and more people are attracted to you because you light them up. You don't bring them down. You you carry something that inspires them to be a greater version of themselves as well. As a mum, as a beautiful mum, your greatest, um, I guess, responsibility is to grow these humans into mm-hmm. independent, um, tenacious, responsible, self-loving humans themselves. Have you stuffed up? along the way and and if so how have you forgiven yourself because that's an act of self-love that is such a fabulous question Kim oh my goodness have I stuffed up yes (laughs) no I think I think if I could encapsulate the one thing that I've I don't want to say I've got wrong, but it just gives me pause and it's it's a conversation that I get to have with my kids as they become parents is um, I've, I, have I loved, how do I articulate? Have I loved them too much? And being in boarding school, all these things, I just felt like I didn't have the, I didn't feel seen, heard, and valued for who I am. So I have really poured a huge amount of love and attention into my children, which of course is a positive thing, but probably not push them out of their comfort zones as much as I could have that would have supported them to grow in different ways. I think that's the thing that I would do differently. Yeah, and I, I, I just I, wanted to, you know, I just always wanted to, um, I'm a real mother hen. If I could just kind of pull <laughs> them in under my wings and keep them safe and sound all the time, even though my boys are both, well, all my children are bigger than me now and my sons are both six foot something. 
So, you know, but I, I, I would still want to just, you know, tuck them under my wings and keep them safe and sound and never get uncomfortable. And it's not always the best decision. <laughs> and I think when we even look back on our own lives, the greatest growth has come from the greatest oh, challenges. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, that helicopter mom, the the one that really doesn't want anything wrong to happen. You're actually denying mm. your children the experience of resilience and the yeah. ability to trust themselves and to get up out over and through their own experiences of what's not right or what's not fair. And I think we're denying them a chance of growing. And I'm sure whilst you've been a mother hen, you've still watched them, um, you know, wanting to tuck them under, but knowing we can't fix everything. We can't no. make it right. And no. I think that is probably the element of forgiveness that we as parents, mums, dads, surrogate mums and dads, stepmums and dads, it is part of the journey is to let someone on their own path. Yes. I've, I've always felt that, you know, my children, whilst I can say they're my children, I, I really don't believe they are. I just think I was chosen. I was privileged enough to, to grow and birth them, but they're not mine. They're, they're their own selves. And I think that's something I took away from your beautiful, um, from the summit and from what I've learned from you so far is that no matter what our background, no matter what our story, mm. no matter how many challenges, no matter how good or bad it's been, we still get a choice every day on how we choose to be a greater version of ourselves if we're in that mindset. If you had one message to give to the person listening to this, I mean, this is the self-love podcast. This is the person that listens to this is either fully in tune with it and just loves to hear the beautiful interviews that I have on here, or they might have slip-ups, or they love to hear um, how people get through tough times or what your message is, what your story is. What would your advice be to someone listening to this that maybe has fallen out of love with themselves a little bit or life isn't so great for them right now? They're in a bit of a funk or in a challenge. What would be your advice? Oh, if I could, if I could pour one message into the heart of every woman, it's that you are enough. You are enough right now in this very moment. You are perfect. You are beautiful. And if you dream of having a bigger, bolder, more beautiful life, you deserve it. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You deserve it right now. So if you don't love your life, then it's time to sit down and create a vision of the life you would love to be living. And then you deserve to get the support to get there. That's really would be my message. Yeah, and even through this funk that we're in in the world right mm -hmm. now, how would you then, is it the same message given that what we're in right now can be quite challenging for a lot of people? How would you say to ride through this so this, this pandemic? Oh, for the sake of sounding like a broken record, I think it is vision. I, you know, there's a few pieces to that, Kim, and I think first and foremost we need to start with, ourselves and if you know how you're feeling and if you're getting lost in scrolling through social media and other people's stories and you just feel that um, empty hollow flatness your vibration is really flat then I would urge you I know you know we're in lockdown but you can always find a bit of grass plant your feet on the grass look at the sky, take deep breaths of fresh air and just enliven yourself through what Mother Nature has to offer and then think about what you're eating, what you're putting into that precious body. Eat real, whole, organic, seasonal foods. You've heard it before, but really do it. Make it a value because that's putting a high vibration into your body and then listening to music, listening to podcasts that lift you up, that lift that vibration and creating a vision for the life you want to be living. And that can start at home. That can start with not putting on the daggiest, most comfy tracksuit at the end of your bed. It can mean shave your legs if you want to shave your legs, but just, you know, put on clothes that make you feel beautiful. The, the clothes that I wear change the way I walk. They change the way I feel about myself. And if that means you're not even leaving home, that's okay. You don't have to, you know, 
dress daggy just because you're at home you can put on a favorite outfit and feel amazing and if you like to wear makeup put on makeup um, because it all makes a difference to how you feel you need you must you get to put effort into your life into you in order to get out of you the results that you want um, and there's the you know the life that you want to be living really comes from starting with those small things getting enough sleep don't find yourself um, losing yourself in movies until two o'clock in the morning because it will suck the life out of you it's okay if it's once in a blue moon but if it's starting to become a routine because you don't have to get up because work's not happening then these are all things that are going to rob your vitality rob your um your zest for life i think if yeah i could go on and on <laughs> It's powerful, very, very powerful. And I urge the listener, whoever you are right now, to just rewind that and maybe write it down. Mm -hmm. Have those little steps up on your bathroom mirror and just try and connect into at least one to five to 10 of those things. Mm -hmm. And you'll find it's the baby steps. It's the little yep. steps that get us up, out, over and through these things. And to remember that we're a role model, that if we can't do it for ourselves at first, it might seem hard. Like you said, sometimes the hardest part is actually um, getting started or imagining it to be true, but it's those little baby steps. And I just, I just love what you're about. I love what you stand for. I'm really honored to be a part of the phenomenal uh, Feminine Entrepreneurs Program, the Summit, this book. I, I, I truly feel very blessed to have been chosen to be one of the 21 women in here. And I just love what you say on the back of the book, that it is my wish, hope, and prayer that by connecting you with the women in this book, women that I so admire, you too will feel inspired to reach for bigger, bolder, and more beautiful dreams. Thank you so much for the work that you do. I'm so, so glad you found the money to get on that plane to go to America <laughs> when we could, when we, <laughs> yes. when we could, and then not waste it and actually do something with it. I bet your coach is just full of admiration and I bet they just, they feel so proud of what you've done because you've actually taken hold of something and not only listened and learned you've done the biggest thing that can create change and that's to take action. So I yes. want to publicly acknowledge you for taking action and creating this. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you so, so much. I wish you could see my face. I'm grinning from ear to ear. Knowing that you're holding that book in your hands is just, it's, it is such a, such a magical thing. I can't, I can't wait for people to get it. It's so inspiring. It's so beautiful. And and when this goes to air, um, we will have all the links in there for you to follow so that you can be a part of the Phenomenal Feminine Entrepreneurs Summit and also to get a copy of the book. And, you know, it means a lot to every single woman interviewed there. If you let them know what you think of their story, let them reach out, follow them on their socials and and just one day maybe look at that book and say, you know what, I'm going to tell Edwina, I'm going to be on the cover of her next one. You never know. It could be another dream come true. Absolutely, absolutely. And I just, I'd love to touch on that as well, because I think what you just said, you know, about leaving feedback it's just so important and I think the world that we're living in now this is how we're connecting hopefully we'll have more connection in community in person um, coming soon but I think the reality is that so much of our connection now happens online and I think you need to think I would really love to encourage the women listening to this to think of that the connections that you have online as if you're standing face to face in front of somebody and so if somebody poured their heart and soul out to you would you stand there and respond or say nothing or would you comment and share what you think and create almost like a conversation because it is what we need as as the women who and kim i'm sure you experience this as well when you put things out into the world, whether it's your beautiful products or the work that you do, receiving feedback, knowing people are reading it and what they think of it. Um, it's just so, so important to give that feedback. 
Yeah, it's, it is definitely the way we're connecting in this day and age. And mm-hmm. who would have thought two years ago that sitting and spending as much time in front of computers or listening to podcasts or listening to interviews of amazing um, feminine and, and obviously masculine entrepreneurs, there's mm-hmm. so many, this isn't just about disclosing from the men, but knowing that these women have bravely stepped forward and have offered their stories. And yeah, I do believe in feedback. I am always asking in my self-love and wellness mental group what are your three takeaways you know it's just so I can make sure I'm giving the content that they need and they want it but they're also learning from it and I'm going to encourage every listener here I want you to think about maybe the top three maybe five women when you get to hear them what would be your top three takeaways from that interview and how could you let Edwina know what are the top three takeaways at the end of the whole journey what did you take away from this and and maybe an even bigger step after that is what are you going to do with the information what are you going to do for yourself how are you going to take action to inspire you know new beginnings or bigger dreams come true in your life and and I know that your wish of being able for people to take control of not only their freedom, but their their prosperity and their their future is something that's really important to you. And the greatest, most amazing feedback you'll get is when you get someone saying, I had that on my vision board and look at me now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, if we could just finish off, my sweet friend, what would be one of your most favorite quotes that you could leave our beautiful listener with? I have to use a quote that I I gave in the book, which is actually my own, and that is your beliefs are either a ball and chain around your ankles or the seeds that bloom into a beautiful life. Say it one more time. Your beliefs are either a ball and chain around your ankles or the seeds that bloom into a beautiful life. Yeah, and it's so precious. And it's so good because if you don't have good beliefs, they really do hold you back. And when you can change those beliefs or get rid of those limiting beliefs, you actually have the power to plant seeds. I love it so much. I love you. Thank you for the work that you do, for the gift that you are, for introducing me to all of these extraordinary humans. I wish and my hope is one day we all get to stand in one room together. Oh, wouldn't that be a dream? I would love that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you again, beautiful Edwina. You're amazing. Thank you for being a phenomenal feminine entrepreneur (laughs) in my world as well. Thank you so much, Kim. It is such a delight to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.